we're back on All Access with State Theater New Jersey. I'm your host, Kelly Blythe. And with us today is one of the performers to the upcoming Golden Oldies Spectacular taking place at the State Theater on Saturday, March 21st at 7 p.m. And, of course, I am talking about Dennis Stefano. Welcome, Dennis. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you. Yeah, so, Dennis, this is a great lineup uh, in in in. in in addition to you, we've got Jay and the Americans, B.J. Thomas, Lou Christie, and 1910 Fruit Gum Company. You know a couple of these guys, right? Oh, yeah. I've worked with them a lot. It's a, it, that's a really nice, diverse show. Yes. Uh, I mean, you're getting it's almost like having a live jukebox because uh, you're getting a little bit of everything out of this uh, lineup. And, uh, and everybody on the show I've worked with are, are just, you know, I don't know what it is with us older classic rock guys, but we're still cooking. <laughs> you still are, and there are still audiences to come and see them every spring at yes, State Theater. Do. Yes, oh, yeah. yes. Uh, we look forward to it, a, a golden oldie spectacular every spring. Um, and it is a great lineup. And we, uh, uh, 1910 Fruit Com- Company, I know last time they uh, they were your, your they backed you, or they, and they're doing that again this time as well, right? Yes, they are, yeah. Uh, we worked together for uh, many years as separate acts, and uh, one time uh, they got an, uh, an offer for us to play together, and uh, we got together and had one rehearsal, and they just they hit every note. Uh, so they're besides being a really good, and you know a lot of people think that they're bubblegum, but the fact is is they're a very mature bubblegum. <laughs> they are great musicians. and they really sing and play really well, so it kind of takes the shine off of that bubblegum myth that there is because they're really uh, proper musicians and talent so when they uh, when they back me up it's uh, it gets pretty serious and it's nice you know sure sure so dennis um you know you obviously are the former lead singer of the buckinghams uh hits are yeah. kind of a drag and mercy 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 don't you care so tell us about about your start in, in music i think you were born into a musical family right Yes, my father uh, was a musician uh, early on. I mean, I saw him perform when I was five years old. He played saxophone, sang, and played uh, violin. And so uh, so I saw him uh, perform when I was about five or six, and then he kind of had to leave the music behind to raise the family, you know, and go to work. So, uh, But he, uh, he never really pushed any music on me, but... Uh, it was like he would come home from work and he would go into a bedroom and pull out the saxophone and play some standards. And I would just sit there listening to the music coming out of the door, you know, and I'd go, my God, what is that? You know, so I was really, my ears started perking up really quick to music. And, uh, and pretty much, uh, I was, uh, I started, uh, getting involved, uh, actually with harmonica, which I play to this day. Uh, and that was one of the first instruments I picked up because my father also played harmonica. So uh, I did uh, somehow find his harmonica in my hands one day, <laughs> and and I uh, and when he found out that I had used it, he uh, came to me and he said, uh, "Here, this is yours. You know, if you if you liked it, this is yours." So that was the only way that he plugged me into music. And uh, and then in high school, I became, of course, it was the Beatles. Uh, in 63, and I was a junior in high school then. And uh, we just started, you know, everybody started getting pretty beetled out, you know. They were, hey, let's sing, let's do this, let's do that. So I started with an acapella group. Uh, we were called the Darcells, and we used to do just uh, doo-wop, really. Uh, and uh, we used to sing at dances at parties and everything, and uh, nothing ever became of that uh, business-wise, but it certainly taught me 
what I needed to know about harmony and singing and listening to each other and knowing where your voice fits in. So, so that became very good for me. And then I, I graduated high school and went into a, an art studio. I was an apprentice uh, graphic artist for two years. In the middle of the second year, uh, the band that we had started putting together started to work pretty good. And uh, so I, I decided that it might be better for me to, to leave my day job and, uh, you know, and just focus on that because I, w- I was actually making more money instead of punching a card, you know, a time <laughs> card. And when I, I came to my parents' uh, dinner one night and I said, look, at I, I know that you, you know, I got this job and you want me to have something foundation that's strong, and, but I think I'd like to go and pursue the music. And they just looked at me and my father said, as long as you don't come back here and tell us, why did you let me do this? <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> and I said, no, I won't do that. I won't do that. <laughs> and, uh, and I didn't have to because, uh, and, and my father was quite jazzed with the fact to see me actually make it when the records came out. You know, to have a, a record on the radio uh, was like gigantic. And so uh, when they would be listening at home, they'd hear me singing. And they, and so he was quite pleased with it. My mother was pleased with it. And they always supported me. And I'm so happy that they were around when I made it uh, because it was a good bolt for them, you know. Right, right. And right. Uh, and then that, that pretty much just is how we started out. And uh, the band just started getting more popular. And we, we did a TV show in, in uh, Chicago called on WGN-TV, uh, which is called All Time Hits. And we were the rock portion of the show, and they would, it was kind of like a weekly uh, song list of what's popular. So we, uh, we were the rock thing, and we used to do, actually somebody actually wrote about it saying that we were the first Beatles cover band, uh-huh. because we were, we were doing Beatles songs that just were released that week, and we were on live television. So it was, it was quite interesting to grow up like that, and our gold LeMay tuxedos and stuff, you know. Right, right. And slowly you saw the evolution of us from our greaser hairdos to our beetle cuts. And uh, so then we just started going and it, it didn't stop, you know, uh, and kind of a drag really like uh, cemented us a place. So we, uh, we just kept going. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so, yeah. you know, you mentioned Chicago, you were, you're born in Chicago, right? Yes. Yes. And so did you find, so what would you say were the, the musical differences in the Chicago music scene at that time versus other areas? Well, for us, uh, I mean, we, we were in Chicago. We danced to, to a lot of R&B. Uh, Chicago was very big on, on blues. And, uh, and, and just that was the music that we heard a lot in high school was R&B and Motown. Uh, and it was uh, pretty uh, stuck to us pretty well. And uh, as a matter of fact, when we first recorded uh, Kind of a Drag in our first album, uh, we did it at Chess Records. Uh, which nice. was a, a gigantic blues recording uh, office, right. and we in the Chess Records studio was very magical, and that's where we recorded kind of a drag, and uh, and so there was something about the the blues and the jazz, and the, that's uh, that's why we we wanted to have horns in the band. We grew up with horn bands, you know, coming up. There was a group called the Mob uh, in Chicago, and Jim Holvey, the guitar player in the band, wrote kind of a drag. Hey, baby. Don't You Care, and Susan. Wow. And he gave us those songs one by one as we started to be successful with them. So we, so that, that I think, changed a little bit of our sound in the pop world, too, because he had a, an R&B influence, and uh, his musical changes were just a little bit 
uh, more complicated and, and sounded more in a, a vein of Motown, uh, even though we weren't doing R&B. But uh, we had a taste of it, you know. So sure. I think that, that that set us apart early on and that we were able to, uh, to this day, you know, they still say that our music had soul back then. So that was a nice compliment. Yeah, sure. So would you so you're you know, you're you have all these hits and you're you're in Chicago and then, you know, years later you, you move to Los Angeles and you're an actor yeah. and you're doing voiceover work yeah. and all this kind of stuff. That sounds like a completely different lifestyle. How how did that come about? Well, I moved uh, we uh, at the end with the Buckinghams broke up uh in nineteen seventy. Uh and I always I always kid that uh we had the breakup in 1970 because we were a 60s band. <laughs> and uh, But uh, the fact was is that we had uh, management problems, uh, court dates, and all kinds of stuff. To As pretty typical of most 60s bands, uh, we were being railroaded uh, by uh, the people who were supposed to be helping us. So uh, it just turned out that it became so demolished that we just decided to cut the, the, the cord and, and, and just you know, disband right. because it was just not going anywhere. And we were so kind of depressed about the, the ripoffs. And, uh, but then Carl and I, uh, the guy who played guitar in the band, uh, who now is out there with the Buckinghams, uh, him and Nick Fortuna have st they started the band in the eighties again. Sure. Um, Carl and I uh, got a recording deal with Lou Adler on old records and uh, Lou Adler produced uh, Jan and Dean, uh, Mamas and Papas, uh, Carol King, and had a, a private kind of a label. And uh, he heard a demo that we did and uh, called us out there to audition live. And uh, he said, not only do I want you on the label, I want to produce your first album. So I wow. immediately thought that I, I wanted to, to go and be as close to the le record label as I could be. Right. So I, I moved only about three blocks away. I found I rented a little house in Hollywood about three blocks from A&M Records where Ode was. And uh, and and I just stayed right in there and and just kept it going. So that's that's what kind of got me through. We did we did three albums there, but we weren't charting a lot. We had you know top forty, top fifty, and uh, we weren't doing Buckingham type stuff and pop music. We were kind of in that seventies mode. Right. The uh, James Taylor and those kind of people, you know, and Neil Young. So uh, and we were an acoustic act, and it it just seemed to to just run out of air really and I, I decided to just stop because I wasn't really making a good living anymore and I, I wanted to make sure that I could I was getting older so I wanted sure. to make sure I was safe sure. so uh, uh, my other my other uh, you know destiny kind of thing was acting I always enjoyed the the process I knew some actors and, and talked with them and I came out to LA and did, did the record deal thing but at the end of 76 we kind of like broke up and stopped that record deal and i went to uh study acting and two years into studying i started to get some work and especially voiceover work uh and uh we did uh oh, gosh i must have done 800 movies wow. uh, w w with a group of uh actors that we improvised the background uh -huh. noise that you hear in, in movie scenes oh. uh and yeah it's like if you're in a restaurant uh, in a movie, uh -huh. the principal actors uh, have to be heard clean, right. so they record them. The people in the background are just moving their mouths. Oh. <laughs> because, and so we have to go in and look at their mouths and try to, like, see what they were saying and get as close as we can so it, it made life happen in the scene. Wow. So that was, it was fun. It was great. It was, 
very uh, creative work, and I felt really good. And, uh, and also, I had to take care of my voice uh, because of that work. So I was always, uh, you know, careful not to lose my voice in any way. Sure. So uh, that, that, that continued for about 18 years, really. But in between that, uh, while I was doing that, I got a job uh, to tour with Olivia Newton-John. Right, right. And, and that was that was just uh, an amazing event. I had to audition with her, uh, and I went in and sang suddenly with her from Xanadu. Right. And uh, her uh, her choreographer director at the time, uh, Kenny Rodriguez, uh, he uh, well, he actually grew up to be a big director then. Uh, but he came to me after the audition and he said. He said, I don't care what anybody else auditioning does. He said, what I just saw you two do has made me sweat. <laughs> he, said, <laughs> he, he, said, he said the chemistry was pretty hot. And uh, then I got that gig, and we toured for three months, and I got to do those two duets with her from uh, Greece, you're the one that I want, and, um, and suddenly from Xanadu. And uh, to this day, the, they're on YouTube, directly off the DVD that we did on that. Uh, and... Uh, People come up to me every day, and even though I look like a much younger version of myself, <laughs> it's uh, you. <laughs> they say, they, and I, I go, they say, you, you sang with Olivia. And I go, how do you know that? It's years ago. And they say, because my daughter is a big Olivia fan, and we watch that DVD concert thing every weekend. <laughs> and, I, and I see you singing with her, and I'm standing here, and I said, this is the guy. This is the guy. <laughs> so it's very interesting to have that stuff lives for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, that was a great, a great thing in between my musical career to have that because uh, she was great to work with. She's an amazing person, uh, very creative, very non-diva at all. And, uh, and we, we, uh, we really got to be good friends on the tour. Nice. And, uh, and we had a great band, uh, and, and it all worked out really well. Really, I really had a good time singing. So then I started to get that bug again. I, I want to sing again. And then uh, years later, I decided I was going to sing again, and I started uh, doing a Bobby Darren tribute show. Um, nice. Called I Remember Darren. And I did that for a couple of years with a big band, and uh, and I was I got some I got a live album out of it, and uh, and it really was good. I got the blessing from the Bobby Darren Foundation, and uh, they inv invited me to come to Vegas to sing with the Bobby Darren uh, Foundation Heart Association concert, and I got to sing with uh, his guitar player T.K. Kelman and his bass player uh, Billy Mack, and uh, and it was just amazing for me to sit there on the stage and have his players working with me and smiling along wow. with it. So that was a, a good feeling because I, I was always a big fan of Bobby Darren. So that's when I discovered that there were hundreds of songs that were great to sing. Sure. I, I went for it. Sure. Well, so I do that now. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah well, now. I, okay. I mix the classic rock with, um, with the Bobby Darren stuff. I mix it up nicely. So it all nice. it comes from the same period of time. So nice. Well, uh, Yes. yes, you can see Dennis Stefano, Golden Only Spectacular, Saturday, March 21st, 7 p.m. show featuring Jane the Americans, B.J. Thomas, Lou Christie, 1910 Fruit Gum Company, of course, Dennis Stefano. Dennis, you've done it all. I'm excited to see you again return to the State Theater. We look forward to seeing you on Saturday, March 21st. Oh, and I look forward to seeing you and, and all, the, all the acts because I just have a good time looking at all of us and seeing that we're still out there doing the right thing and making it work, you know. Great. We'll see it's you then. Joy.
Okay, Kelly, thank you.